But this morning, I'm going to talk about attention. Attention and focus. Because the way I look at things is, or really, this is just the way it is. Whatever I'm paying attention to, whatever I'm focused on, that's going to be the output of my life. Whatever I'm paying attention to and focused on, that's the input into my life. Well, the output is going to look very similar to the input. And we live in a, we live in a crazy world nowadays, right? I'm not saying it's, I'm not even making a judgment on it. I'm not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just saying it is what it is. We live in a large, vast, ever-changing world. The world nowadays is changing at warp speed, and it's going to continue to change and move fast. And sometimes it, things are moving so fast and coming against us so quickly, it, it seems like that everything that's going out there in the world is prohibiting me or prohibiting you from walking into your destiny and walking into your calling and being able to fulfill all that God has called you to fulfill. And things are moving so fast that you're trying to defend yourself at all angles, that you feel like you're playing defense all the time and never playing offense. If I can just get through today, if I can just get to Wednesday, if I can just get to Friday, if I can just get to church again on Sunday. Everything's moving fast. And if that's, and the problem is with that is we're, we're always going to have to be changing who we are and what we think if we're going to measure our life by the measurement of the world's standards that are always changing. The Bible never changes. And what's, if that's not bad enough, this world is now filled with opinions. Is it not? Everybody has an opinion nowadays. You listen to your friends, your coworkers, family, people on the radio, social media. Everybody has an opinion. This isn't necessarily uh, specific to COVID. I'm talking about everything. But during COVID, do you know how many infectious disease doctors are in the world nowadays? Right? Everybody is now has an opinion on COVID and masks and all this and other. And I'm not making any. I'm not making any opinion on any of it. I'm just saying everybody thinks they know everything. And even in your own life, if you get it down to your to your own life, you're surrounded by people with opinions. And they speak these opinions from like the rooftop of life and with an authority like they know it all. And many of these, many of the time, these people with these opinions on what you should be doing, where you should be going, how you should be living their life, they don't know what they should be doing. So how in the world are they experts on your life? But sometimes our attention is on everything that's going on in the world. Our attention is, the, is on the barrage of opinions that all of these people have and never, I shouldn't say never, it's a terrible word. But most times it's never on, and this is an opinion, it's never on the truth that resides in this book. And this is something... One of the reasons why I love the Bible and I love talking about the Bible is I can take, we all can, we can take these spiritual truths and we can learn them and experience them and encounter them and we can apply them to any practical issue in our everyday life. Because this matter of attention and where your attention is, you're never going to get away from it because there's always going to be people that have an opinion. There's always going to be people that are going to be vying for your attention. And on a more of a macro, grander stage, social media, TV, radio, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, whatever these other, uh, I don't know what you call them, platforms, there you go, thanks, platforms, they're always going to be new. But here's the point. We live in an age, and you're always going to be living in an age where everyone and everything around you is going to be vying for your attention. 
The world is trying to get your attention. And how many times when the world tries to get our attention, because we like, I, I know, we, we like loud, flashy, new things. And we see it, and we got to go get it. And we act on it right away. Yet when God speaks something out of his word, how many times do, do maybe we hear God tell us to do something, and we think, oh, boy, I don't know. God, give me a sign. I need something with like a loud bang. Something that's really flashy. I need you to get my attention. Well, many times his attention comes in that still, small voice. But, you know, there's companies and marketers that are spending billions and billions of dollars, whether it's on social media or TV, radio, billboards, they're spending millions of dollars to get you to purchase a product. But actually what they're spending their money on, they're spending billions of dollars to capture your attention. Because they understand, and this is true, they understand if they can get your attention, they get you. If they can get your attention, you'll buy that product. If they can get your attention, you will then move forward. There are some companies out there that will say, there's no, there's no attention that's bad attention. So even if the company has some sort of disaster, there is a school of thought that says, oh, this is still, this is still good because we have attention. And if you look at social media, you look at Facebook, they're not even really, for the most part, selling a product. I mean, Apple, they're, you know, because Apple can sell all their products and all these other things because they have your attention with this phone. And I know what you're saying, no, not me, I don't really. No, no, this, this phone has your attention. We make all these issues harder on ourselves because we have to have it. All these companies are selling something that we don't need, but they're telling it to us in a way, in their their opinion, in a way that we won't be successful, we won't be glamorous, we won't be happy, we won't be fulfilled unless we have what they're buying, what they're selling. It will never, never work. But we make it worse because we have to have it. Right? This phone, I have to have it. Right? If like, I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but so do you. What happens when you leave the house on any time and you, lo- and you, and you think, oh, I just forgot my phone? What do you do? You turn around and go get your phone, right? You turn around and go get your phone. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine running to the, going up to the grocery store without your phone? I mean, how, how, how could we get through the day, right? I have to have this phone, with me right now. As a matter of fact, my phone isn't even good enough. I don't have time to pick up my phone when somebody wants me because it's got to be a crisis. I have to have a watch, not this one, but I have to have a watch that tells me so then I can go to my phone. Hey, don't look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, you know what you're all doing right now? You're doing like this. Like, where's my phone? Do I have my phone? Because I have to know. I mean, I have to make sure that I'm up to date on everything in the world so they don't miss something. And why do these companies spend billions of dollars? Because it works. Why do these people in your life, and they mean well, they don't mean harm, What? why? Why do they have such a strong opinion on what they want you to do? It's because, unfortunately, it usually works. We somehow buy into the lie that what everybody else is telling us, what the world is telling us, is somehow better for me than what the Word of God tells us. Because one of the most valuable things about you One of the most valuable things about you is your attention. What are you paying attention to? Who are you paying attention to? 
And I use the social media or the, or the Facebook example, and it's, it's great. You know, everybody says social media is great, right? It's great. It's good, it's good for a lot of things. But then, then I think about this. You've probably all heard this. Maybe you've done this yourself. You say, I'm, I'm going to take a break from social media. Anybody said that? Don't raise your hand because I know. Somebody says, I'm going to take a break from social media. I'm going to fast social media. Now, here's what I think about that. If something is so good for me, and it's such a powerful tool, what would I need to take a break from it for? Right? Like, hopefully, you will never hear me say, you know what? This is such a powerful tool. I can talk to somebody that has an issue or trying to get closer to God, and I can read them the scriptures out of this book. Man, it changes their life. Or I can spend time in this word in the morning, and man, this refreshes my soul. This recharges my life. But you know what? I think I'm going to take a break for it for a while. We would never say that about the Bible, right? Where is your attention? What will you do with your attention? Who has your attention? Romans 10, verse 17. Because it's not only what we see, it's what we hear as well. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Proverbs twenty-two seventeen, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise, and apply your heart to my knowledge. What voices, what pictures we allow into our mind and our soul and our spirit, those things have our attention. And if we're listening to the world, the world is always changing. The world is always changing. I can live in a certain way today and try to be successful in the world, cha- world standards. By next week, it, those are going to be different. And worse off, we live in a world now, we live in a world now where everybody's opinion is right. Don't we? We live in a world now that everybody's opinion has to be right. It has to be right. Well, here, I'm going to tell you, it's not right. Those opinions are not right. If they're not based on the word of God, it's not right. Now, listen to what I'm saying. Every opinion that I would hear, I have respect. I have respect for that opinion. It doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Because the opinions of the world, what's right for today, and the world is proving this day after day, what's right for today is probably going to change next week. And it's probably going to change the week after that. And it's probably going to change the year after that. And the year after that and the year after that. It's always going to change. I mean, like, when you think of it that way, that's ridiculous. How would you ever know what you're supposed to be doing? How would you ever know what's good for you? How would you ever know how to lead a successful life? This, this word has never changed. Has never changed. And it never will. It, it doesn't matter if it's a Monday or a Thursday or 2022 or 2050. This word never changes. So when you look at it that way, Sorry, I'm just trying to apply a little common sense to some of these things that are so confusing. If there's a proven way to do things that works, would we stick to having our attention on that or attention on all these worldly things that are trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong? Or what's right and what's wrong is changing depending on which expert is talking about it. So what has your attention? I'm going to give you three points today, three things to help you control your attention or three things to help you make sure your attention is in the right place. Number one, 
Is your attention on Jesus or Jimmy? Jesus or Jimmy? Everybody knows who Jimmy is, right? Guy in the first service said, I thought Jimmy was Jimmy John's because I was getting hungry. Hey, Jimmy John's is freaky fast. So maybe you were right. But who's Jimmy? Jimmy is nobody. I just made that up. Now I have your attention. Everybody's trying to figure out who Jimmy is. Jimmy's nobody. Here's my point. Is it Jesus or fill in the blank, anybody else, anything else? Is your attention on Jesus or all this other stuff? And sometimes what happens as people, we get inundated with the world and try to measure up with the world. And what happens is it causes us to lose wonder and awe and a majesty and a reverence for God and who he is and his promises and the things he's provided for us. And what happens is when we struggle, we bring, we bring this book down to our level. We bring the promises of Christ down to our level. And we make them common. We make them commonplace like that Jesus Christ and his promises are just one of the ways to be fulfilled. It's just one of the ways for me to even have worldly success. I mean, this Bible specifically states that this is the way. This is the way. Now, there are ways of the world that, it sounds like I'm like, I don't know what you want to say, like, dogging on the world all the time. I'm not. I love the world. I love, I love, I love living in this world. What an opportunity we have as people, and more importantly, as Christians to live in this world. Now, at some point, we're going to go to a better world, but I don't know about you, but I'm having a blast. Because I know the end game. I know how the story ends. But while I'm living my story, man, I'm going to live it. But I have to make a determination. Where's my attention going to be on how I live my life? Am I going to live it on the world standards or on the standards of this Bible? I mean, we have to understand that it's not common. The Bible is not common. We can't bring it down to our level. The relationship we have with God, the relationship we have with Jesus, is the most important relationship you will ever have. You will ever have. He paid the ultimate price by sending his one and only son to die on the cross for you. For you. If you were the only person on earth, he would have done it. It's the most important relationship we will ever have. God's wisdom for you is greater than any wisdom you will ever receive. God's grace for you is greater than any grace anyone will ever have for you. God's love for you will be greater than any love any other person will ever have for you. And because this is the greatest relationship and most important relationship you ever have, we have to treat it as such. I have to treat this Bible and his word and his promises. Hey, this is the most important thing in my life. This will give me the greatest wisdom, the greatest knowledge of my life. There's not, nothing will ever come in in a close second place. Second Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, 
having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. If somehow you've lost your wonder for Jesus Christ, somehow you lost your awe for Jesus Christ, or the level of importance that he should have in your life and the attention you should give him, I would encourage you to go revisit what happened at the cross. The power of the cross changes everything. And when we really understand the power of the cross, what he did that day for us, and makes all of this stuff, what I'm talking about, affordable for us, when we read these pages, it should come alive. Because there's a difference in the relationship. We can't be reading this Bible as just an education. Here, I can quote you scripture. Here's what happened in the book of Mark. Here's what happened in Genesis. Here's how the earth was formed. Those are all great things to know. But at the end of the day, we are not here to learn about God or to to, to know this knowledge of God. We are here to have an experience with him. We need to read these scriptures and have an encounter with Jesus Christ. That's what's going to change our lives. Me knowing about God? Me knowing about God? I may be able to impress you with maybe some attributes of God or scriptures that, he, that, that are in this book. That's knowing about God. I need to know God. I need to experience him. I need to stand and worship on a Sunday morning or anytime I'm, I'm worshiping him in, in song and have an encounter and experience that's going to carry me throughout the day. I have to have an attention on what he's telling me in that moment. Because here's the deal. The standards of the cross, the things that happen because of the cross, never change. Never change. Number two, where is your attention? Is it the word? Is it on the word or the world? And, hey, I can get caught up in chasing the success and the desires of the world just like anybody else can. And sometimes I have to pull myself back and say, wait a minute, this is crazy. Because if you're, I don't know how people do it chasing the world things all the time because they change all the time. So you're going to go crazy just trying to keep up with it. But that's what the world, it's hard because that's what the world sees. Because the world has this perception, and it is a perception The world tells you the perception is, hey, you always have to be at the top of your game. You always have to be at the pinnacle of success. You always have to have it always figured out. And here's why. This is a Mike Lemp theory, by the way, so you can take this or you can just punt it. And if you don't like Pastor Guy, you can just don't like him. But I have this theory... (laughs) That the world, I'm saying the world in general, the world loves winners. Loves winners. I'll tell you you, even in this much that I believe in this fact. If you came to church here every Sunday, I need to be careful here, but if you came to church here every Sunday and all we did was talk about winning, and how you can win. And how if you, maybe I'll say it this way, how if you, if you believe that you're going to have that million-dollar house, you're going to get it. If we, I'm convinced, if we talked about that every Sunday, this place would be packed. That building down the street that we have, we couldn't contain it. We'd have people coming from miles if we only talked about winning, whether it was true or not, and we never talked about any of the tougher things in the Bible that you actually need. That's kind of my, one of my (laughs) theories on life. And I'll give you an example. Most of you know I've shared stories before about coaching basketball and baseball, but our basketball team was really, really good this year. We ended up 26 and 2. And we beat a lot of the high school teams. We're we're over in St. Louis, Christian school, but 
you name the big teams over in St. Louis that are good perennially, and we'd beat them. It was a remarkable season. But here's what happened during the course of the season. Then, you know, we're, you know, whatever it was, 19 and 1, 20 and 1. We're making a run through the playoffs. And I'd come home from the games and I'd tell my boys, because my wife's tired of hearing me from, you know, the way the world works. I said, guys, this is, I'm telling you, this is, this is a Mike Lemp science experiment. I'm showing you right now, the world loves winners because right now, our basketball team is probably the best basketball team we'll ever have in the history of our school. But my phone, is blowing up from people. I, I, don't have, I don't have any idea who they are. I mean, I know who they are, but, like, I don't know them enough to, to recognize the number. Hey, coach, great game tonight. Boy, the team's really playing great. The boys are really awesome. I walk into school. Teachers come up. Parent, I don't know if they're teachers or parents. Actually, hey, coach, great game last night. What do you think about Friday? I don't, and these people have never talked to me before. You got kids coming up to you. We had parent-teacher conferences during this little run. I go to my son's parent-teacher conference, what, there's six, seven teachers or whatever. I go to see, you know, how he's, how he's doing. You know what the teachers are talking to me about? Basketball. What do you think about the game coming up? I, I don't know. How's Jack doing in statistics, maybe? <laughs> because the world thinks that at this point, this coaching staff and the 12 players, whatever, they got it all figured out, right? Well, you know what happens in sports and in life, you know what happens sometimes, actually all the time? You lose. You lose. So then we go on, you know, we're rolling through the playoffs, and then we end up losing. Devastating loss. You know, all those people that were calling me, texting me, since that day we lost, which was maybe three weeks to today, you know how many people, you know how many people have texted me or called me? Take a guess. Not zero. One. My mom. My mom. My mom. So suddenly, all these people that thought, Let's say I was great or our team was great that had a vested interest somehow on what I was doing. You know what I'm down to? My mom. I can't even count on my wife. <laughs> After the game, you know what she says? Hey, wasn't there something you could have done? <laughs> no, she didn't say that. I don't think she said that. I'm not exactly sure what she said. I probably didn't hear it, but I don't think she said that. (laughs) But here's the thing. The world places the importance on that stuff that you see that's exciting. It's exciting. But the players on our team, us as a coaching staff, am I no longer worthy of anything because we lost the game? See, my identity is not in the basketball. It doesn't change who I am. And I use that example. You could use your own example, whatever it is. It doesn't change who I am. And we talk to the boys about this all the time, throughout the season, actually. And we tell them, hey, as good as you are right now, your identity is not in the basketball. You know why? Because at some point, at some point, that ball stops bouncing. At some point, that thing in your life that you're going after, and make sure you listen to me. I'm not saying don't go after it, because whatever you're going after, if you're doing it right, is a part of your calling that God has placed inside of you. You go after it like he's called you to go after, but it is not your identity. Your identity is in him. Hey, in this work, in this world, there is a, there's a plan that works in this life, and there's a plan that doesn't work in this life. There's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and there's an enemy that's out to stop you. There's a plan to live in peace, and there's a plan to live in frustration and stress and anxiety. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. 
but I have come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. One verse. One verse can basically, I don't even know what you call it, it's, it's, it's the synopsis of life. It's the realities of both sides. Hey, there is a devil that is out to keep you from your calling, and there is a Jesus, there is a God that has imparted everything you need, everything you need to fill that calling, and which side of that verse are you going to live your life? And this sounds all great when we're in service on Sunday or when we're worshiping or you're in your alone time and you're reading God's word. It's real easy. But then what happens is you, life comes at you, things start to get stressful, things start to get chaotic, and you feel like you're not measuring up and you feel like you're falling short. We all do that on a daily basis. And those are normal emotions. But when that happens, really what we're doing to ourselves is we're not allowing God's freedom and grace to come upon us. And we forget the understanding of what that means. And then we, as, as Bible-believing Christians, what do we do? We stand up straight. We stiffen up. We pull our boots on real high. And we're going to do it ourselves, Right? That's what we do. Instead of having an overall picture of the situation and refocusing our attention on Jesus and what the power of the cross afforded us. And we don't have to work as hard. We don't have to struggle as much. Sometimes we just need to sit back and allow God's grace and love and care reside in a place where we can rest in his presence. And sometimes we maybe just need to rest in his presence just to maybe regroup ourselves for a little bit and revisit that majesty and awe of what actually happened on that cross that day and refocus our attention on, I know the end game. I know the score at the end. And the score at the end is always in my favor. Remember that song we say? God is for us. When we live this way and we get to the end, God is for us. And we have to live our lives knowing that that's the reality. That's the reality of the Christian life and the way we can walk that out. Amen? Number three. What is your attention on? Is your attention on being the victim or the victor? The victim or the victor? And here's what I mean by that. Things happen in our lives all the time. Situations happen in our life all the time. Circumstances happen in our life all the time. And when those things happen, are you the victim or are you the victor? Many times, as we move forward, it's our choice. What role are we going to play in that story? Because our lives are really stories, and we're writing, we're writing the story of our lives. And you want to be the pen, not the paper, if that makes sense. And I know this is... This is a touchy subject, being the victim or the victor, because here's why, and it's really challenging because there are lots of cases where you are the victim and you actually have a really, really, really good reason for being the victim. I'm not denying that fact. There are lots of us in here that have had, in the past or may going through, you have a really good reason for playing the victim. But here's what I would say to that. At some point, you have to, in your 
mind, your spirit, your relationship with God, at some point, that victim mentality has got to change to the victor mentality. And I know it's really hard. Being the victor is really, really hard. Being the victim, although it's hard to go through, it's really easy to choose being the victim. And the way, the way I view these things, and again, when you have perspective on these things, you have to have the perspective of, man, I believe that word. I believe this word. I believe in the power of the cross. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he's going to do. That's where you're starting from. So when you start from there, all these life situations, I know this is confusing and hard to accept sometimes. All these life situations, they don't happen to you. They happen for you. They don't happen to you so you can be the victim. They happen for you so you can be the victor. That's the way God's designed it. And I know when we're going through that season of stress or anxiety or confusion and I don't know where you are, God, it doesn't seem like these things are happening for you. It seems like they're happening to you. And the only thing that I can say, the only thing that I can say about that is you have to go back to the foundational thoughts and biblical promises. What do you believe? Do you believe that this word is true or do you believe that the circumstance or the situation overpowers what you actually believe? And here's what happens as human beings. We are emotional human beings. We're emotional. Even if somebody tells you, hey, I am not emotional, that's a lie. And I, I say that because I would tell you that. I am a, not an emotional person. But in reality, I am an emotional person. I just choose to live in a way to not show my emotions. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. If you have some sort of psychology degree out there, you'll probably say, I'm crazy. I don't know. But we are emotional Here's why I say that, because every emotion that we have, fear, anxiety, stress, confusion, we attach it to some story in our life. We attach it to some situation in our life. So are you going to attach it to the story of your life on the victim side of things? or the victor side of things, that I am using this experience to follow God. I am using this experience that for some reason, God needed my attention. And in the course of our lives, there are going to be things that happen in your life that God is going to continue to try and get your attention. Because you, because he, he wants your attention. Again, I go back to this relationship. It's the greatest, it should be the strongest relationship you should ever have. And the stories we tell ourselves, they not only inform us, but they form us. They not only inform us, but they form us in who we are and what we believe God has created us to be. That's why this experience and the encounter with Christ is so important. It's so important. It's, again, it's not about, it's not knowing about God. It's about knowing God. It's about knowing God so you can have that experience with him. Life-changing encounters with him. The experience doesn't define the character, the character of who we are in Christ should define the actual experience and how we go about that, whether the victim, we see it through the eyes of the victim or the victor. And sometimes 
once we start becoming the victim, it's hard to get out of that rut to see ourselves as the victor. And sometimes we fall into this trap of being, I am so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I'm so overwhelmed. Where are you, God? But many times, if we, if we stood back and looked at our, what's going on, our list of reasons why we are overwhelmed is many times very underwhelming. We need to make sure that we understand that God is not doing things to us. He's doing things for us. God is a God of attention. He wants our attention. He is always attentive on us. Always. There's never a time when he's not attentive on us. There's never a time when he's not focused on us. Not just focused on us, but focused on what's best for us. And you've probably heard me say this before, and I believe this with, with all my heart and with backed up by everything I've, I've read about in this book, that no matter what situation you, you're in, no matter what valley you're trying to get over, what mountain you're trying to cross, if you do it God's way, God's best for you is always in your future. God's best for you is always in your future. And this victim or victor mentality, this is a, here's why this is so hard too, is that is almost a daily choice. There are things that happen, again, in this fast-changing world, in the world's opinions of what you should do. In all of those things, lots of times you're going to have to make the choice of, am I going to be the victim or am I going to be the victor? And luckily for us, Pastor Guy, you can come up. There's story after story about the Bible that shows examples of victor or victim. And you say, well, why are we like this? Well, this happens from the beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 3, the story of Adam and Eve, very quickly, most of us know it. Chapter 3, God gives Adam and Eve the garden. He basically says, man, this is, this is heaven on earth. This is, you have everything you want in the garden of Eden. You can have, eat anything of the tree, anything that grows from the trees. You can do whatever you want, everything. It's paradise. Just don't eat this one thing. Pick it up, 3, verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Adam, where are you? Those are three words that you should never hear God tell you. God should never say, Mike, where are you? Verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you? That you were naked. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, and here's the key. He has a choice now. Am I going to be the victim or the victor? Here's what Adam says. Then the man said, the woman who you gave me to be with, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. You know what Adam's telling God? He said, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You did it. You decided to give her to me, and she gave me the apple. Hey, I'm just the victim in this story. It was you and your almighty wisdom. You decided that. Now, poor Eve, what is she going to do, right? At this point... There's only four people. It's Adam, Eve, God, and a snake. So she's kind of stuck. So I'm trying to make you feel better a little bit because when you start playing the victim, just blame it on Adam. Don't do that. 
But here's my point. We're going to face situation after situation after situation. But you have two choices when things come your way. Am I going to play the victim and say, man, I can't believe all these things are happening to me? Or am I going to play the victor and understand that God in his infinite wisdom has put me in this situation, in this circumstance, maybe a situation I want to be in, maybe with people I don't even like. But for some reason, he chose me to be here now and to carry out his plan for my life in his way. Amen? Stand as we worship God here. And I just want to pray this morning before we sing. And if we have the prayer partners, you can come on down right now as I, while I pray. That we would just have... And a supernatural attention on who he is and what he's done for us. Father, we just thank you for who you are. And Lord, we thank you for thinking of us. And Lord, for me personally, Lord, I thank you for thinking of me when you went to the cross. And Lord, because you paid the ultimate sacrifice by sending your only son, Lord, that deserves our attention. That deserves our attention. And Lord, I just pray that we be a people. That no matter what comes our way, no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what the world's opinions are, Lord, that our attention be focused on you and you alone. In his name we pray. And all God's people said... up here and preach a message like this, right? It's real easy for me to say these things. And it's real easy for you to probably sit there and say, boy, this, I, I pretty much agree with that. That's kind of a nice message. This, this guy up here must have it all figured out. His attention is always on Jesus. I, I wish I could say that. Trust me, when you go through times, you don't you feel like you're not measuring up. We all go there. That, that's not an emotion that anybody, not one person never, it's like they never had that emotion. Hey, I'm up here preaching out this word this morning, preaching out this word, talking about having your attention on Jesus. And you know what I'm thinking about as I'm speaking? I'm thinking about, man, how, how many times have I not done that? 
many times has maybe God been trying to get my attention? Man, and I look the other way. But here's the deal. God is always looking down on us. He is always, he always has his attention on us. But when we have our attention on him, and that's where our attention is, that's when things happen. I'll give you one last example, and then you can go to Jimmy John's, I promise. In the book of Numbers, chapter 13, the 12 spies go out and spy out the promised land because God told them it's theirs. Ten guys come back and say, yeah, the land was exactly like you said. It's awesome. But man, the, the people are giants there. They're strong. The cities are fortified. We ain't going over there. And Joshua and, Joshua and Caleb, they come back and they say, you know what? Those ten knuckleheads, they're right. Everything they said is true. The cities are fortified. The people are strong. The people are giants. We agree with them. We agree with them. But here's the thing we don't agree with. We are not going to play the victim. We are going to play the victor. And our God said that that land was ours. So know what? you know what we're going to do? No matter what the circumstance may say, no matter what it would look like, we're going to take that land because he said it was ours. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I'm ready to take some land. In your life, I hope you're ready to take some land. And here's what it's going to take. It's going to take not this supernatural strength from you. It's going to take maybe stepping back a little bit and giving the King of kings and the Lord of lords some attention in your life. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, I just ask that as these people leave these doors today, Lord, that they would be blessed and blessed abundantly. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. See you next weekend.